Well, again, as I stated earlier, values in multifamily are based on that net revenue. In this game, people pay and pay handsomely for cash flow, for returns, also known as cap rates. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Welcome back. Of course, I'm Marco Kozlowski, and today we're going to be discussing how to quickly calculate values on residential and multifamily properties. Of course, without a value, we're traveling west in search of a sunrise. We really need to figure out values quickly for a few reasons, other than, of course, the obvious of knowing exactly what we're buying and how much we should be buying it for, because the secret to making money in this business is to buy it for the right price. And of course, we need to know what our budget is going to be based on the values of the property with these asset-based lenders to take it down. We need to know that we can come up with the right number so we don't need any money out of our pocket in order to buy whatever we're looking to buy to make great cash flow. Now, I've covered this in other episodes. Please make sure to go back to my past episodes if you haven't yet. It will really help you understand a lot of the material I'm going to be covering in the next few episodes, and it's much more fun listening and learning this stuff when you aren't going, I don't understand. All right, so a quick lesson on values. First, residential. What is a residential property? Well, of course, a residential property is anything up to four units, one, two, three, four. So single family, duplex, triplex, and quads are all considered residential. Now, quick comment on single families. I don't do a lot of single family homes anymore. It's one mortgage, one tenant, and it's quite risky. With one mortgage, one tenant, if they bail, you can't pay for it and you're kind of screwed and it sucks. Ask me why I know that. Uh, it's quite risky compared to multifamily with a lot of tenants paying the one mortgage. Now, I do help others buy three, four, five units and up because on a three unit, we can get asset-based lenders involved. But on a three unit, think of it this way. It's one tenant that pays the mortgage, the other pays the bills, and the rest is profit. So if one leaves, you aren't completely screwed and it spreads out and lowers the risk and also means higher returns. Now, of course, I'd much rather have 10 or even 110 or a million tenants paying one mortgage, which is much, much better, and you're going to like it much more as well. The more units you have, the more money is made, the less risk there is. Okay, so residential properties are anything up to four units. All of those are considered residential. Those property values are based on comparables or comps, meaning what other properties of like kind have sold for. Now, if this duplex in this area sold for X, then that duplex that are a couple blocks up must also be worth X. Now, it's pretty simple, but it's a pain in the ass because if there's only one duplex in the immediate area, it's harder to find the value. And there is a little witchcraft and wizardry involved at times because sadly in residential or up to four units, it's very subjective. I could have five appraisers doing five appraisals the exact same day at the exact same time and get five completely different values. Just how it is. Now, there are some free sites like Zillow.com, eAppraisal.com, and BankofAmerica.com with some free tools to quickly estimate a property's value. Sites like these are not 100% accurate, though, but good enough to get a quick snapshot on what its loosey-goosey value is so you can get to the next step. 
That's why I much prefer multifamilies since it's income-based and not comparables-based or comps-based. It's so much easier as stir, if that was even a word, it's just much more straightforward than residential to figure out its value. Okay, so let's nail down multifamily values. Now, anything over four units is considered commercial in multifamily. Now, you'll notice a four unit lives in both worlds. It's by. It swings both ways. It's the fancy cousin that goes, hey, how are you? It likes both things, residential and commercial. You'll have to look at both residential and commercial values, which I'll show you next, then pick the lowest of the two. Since I'd rather be wrong on underestimating values than on overestimating them, ask me why I know that. It can be a very expensive lesson. Rather buy it thinking it's worth $250 for $200 than buying it for $250 and it really be worth $200. You know what I mean? So multifamily values are based on net operating income or NOI or also called the net. Not the gross, the net. So let's take a property outside of Memphis, Tennessee as an example. Let's assume the gross income on that property is around $200,000. That's the gross. A whole year's worth of collected receipts how much rent and revenue they collected without expenses for the entire year. 200,000 bucks, easy. That is the gross, but the gross is gross, yuck. It's not how much money you make that matters, it's what you keep that counts. It's not all your money. There are expenses that have to be paid, you just can't keep it all. These are the TIMS, T-I-M-M-S, the taxes, the insurance, the maintenance, the management, and all the small little shit that you need to pay that adds up to something by the end of the year. Now, you're going to keep around half. So if you gross $200,000, you keep half or $100,000. That's your net, okay? Now, I'll explain in a minute how the net and the expenses add up to the value of the property with some simple math. But first, I'd like to explain to you what the TIMS are, the Taxes, Insurance, Maintenance, and Management, so you understand why these expenses are important and a detailed explanation of how each one has to be paid or it's bad news bears. First, let's discuss the taxes. If you don't pay the property taxes, you lose the property. You got to pay the property taxes, period. The insurance, you have to insure the property. If there's a fire, an accident, natural disaster, you're covered. But don't be scared of what could happen. That's what insurance is for. If there is a disaster, insurance pays for it. It could buy you a new building or new homes. It's not all that bad, so relax. As long as you have the right insurance, you can sleep very well at night. Let's talk about maintenance. This is really important. Keeping the property in tip-top shape to have people want to live there, not live in a poorly maintained dump. Tenants pay the bills. In fact, they pay your bills. They are important, very important. We want to take care of them, give them a safe place to stay, serve them, and deliver a well-maintained home that they stay and they pay in so they take care of us for the future. It's that simple. The happier they are, the more money we make. That's it. If we don't maintain the property, you lose tenants, it makes less money, and that will affect the value of the property. Okay, next, management. You don't do any of that. It's forbidden for you to manage these properties, and I mean forbidden. No, you don't want to be speaking to Jerry Springer tenants ever. You're the owner. 
You're the boss. You're the king or the queen. It's not your job. It's the management company's job. You don't speak to the commoners just like the wealthy do, just like you're supposed to do. That's exactly what your managers are for. You will manage the managers with a quick monthly meeting asking five simple questions, and I'll cover that on another episode if this is something you'd like me to cover. Today, it's more about how we establish values, not keep managers on track. Different conversations. You should know asset-based lenders insist on quality managers being in place to ensure it's run properly and efficiently before you close so you can access the money to buy them and maintain maximum values of the properties that you're buying. So I'm assuming you want a skilled team to make sure things are run the best they possibly can so you can make as much money as you can. And I hope so, right? Your focus should be to buy more cash-flowing assets, little cash machines that take care of you and your family. Assets that now work for you. Tenants that are working hard to pay you money, not you having to work for money, not anymore. Just like the wealthy do. Isn't that what you want? Well, you should. So we covered most of the TIMs. We covered the taxes, the insurance, how important maintenance is, and just now the management. And the last is the S. All the small shit that adds up over the year, like utility bills, legal expenses, accounting, and whatever small stuff that pops up that you need to take care of. So when you add all that up, it's going to take around half in those expenses of what your gross is going to be. Now, it could be a little bit more or a little bit less, but half is a safe assumption to make things very quick, simple, and easy. Okay. When you know what the gross is, let's call it 200000 you pay your taxes, your insurance, the maintenance, the management, and all the other small shit, you're left with half or 100000 bucks. That's the net, okay? So far, so good. Now, how is knowing that net relevant to the value of the property? Well, again, as I stated earlier, values in multifamily are based on that net revenue. In this game, people pay and pay handsomely for cash flow, for returns, also known as cap rates. They pay for a good return on their investment, not just the real estate value, meaning that $100,000 net passive income is very valuable. If you buy that $100,000 net in revenue after expenses for a million bucks, that's a 10% return or a 10 cap or capitalization rate, same thing. Buy it for 2 million, that's a 5% return or a 5 cap. Some simple math, Cap rates are calculated by the net income divided by the purchase price. That's it. So if you have that $100,000 net and you pay $4 million for it, that's a 2.5% cap rate or return. And that is in Manhattan. Quite the expensive, but some like location over returns. The more densely populated a city or desirable area is, the more you're going to have to pay for that cash flow. That simple, supply and demand. $100,000 net income in Los Angeles might cost you $3 million, bucks, a little bit cheaper, but it's still less than a 4% return. Now, when we borrow the money at more than that, so getting a 4% return and paying 6% for the money means we don't make any money. We're losing 2%. Not a good business decision, now is it? So we don't buy in those markets. Let other people have those. I prefer a much better solution. If we can get that same $100,000 in net revenue in other markets... Does it matter if it's professionally managed and if you make money never using your own in other markets? I sure hope not. So 
that $100,000 in net revenue in Ohio or in Georgia, Mississippi, or pretty much any other state, you can buy that same revenue, that same net revenue for well under a million bucks. Isn't that better? Do you want to pay more or do you want to pay less for the revenue? I hope you said less. Since the less you pay, the more you make. Isn't that what you want? To make more for a lot less? So, without getting into complex local market caps and values, which do change from city to city, even within the same zip code, depending on location, I created a very simple formula. Now, it's not meant to be accurate at all. I don't have to be. Not yet. It's meant to be quick, fast. So I have a starting point to know where to start my negotiation with a seller and have an idea, just an idea, how much money I can get for now. I'm going to start with what I know it's at least worth at a minimum, and that's all I need for now, meaning it's worth at least this much. So I take the net and I add a zero. That's it. That's simple. It's worth a million bucks if it makes $100,000 a year, add a zero. If it makes $20,000, add a zero, $200,000. If it makes $236,000, it's worth at least $2.36 million. Got it? Now again, it's fast, it's simple, it's easy, no thinking. I can move fast, you can move fast, with speed comes volume, and that means more deal flow, which is important. Again, I prefer to undervalue and do it quickly. I don't want to waste my time doing complex math on what the exact cap rate is for that zip code, that area, that many units, that asset class, doesn't matter. What a pain in the ass on an asset I might never buy to see what it's really worth. Not everyone is going to respond to my marketing campaigns, so why waste my time on doing that right now? I can do that later. Time I can't afford to waste. My time is precious and so is yours. It's all we have. So I peg a quick value on 100 leads in seconds for each one, then send out 100 emails in minutes. Not in hours, not in days, not even weeks, but in minutes. Yes, yeah, speed over accuracy is much more important. I don't believe in ready, aim, 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 wait, I gotta be sure, aim, 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 and really never firing, and maybe one day perhaps you fire, which is what most people do. Nothing gets done that way, or it takes forever to land one deal. Fuck that. Let's buy as many as possible as quickly as possible. I believe in ready, fire, aim again, fire, adjust based on the feedback, where I missed, fire again, re-aim, fire. So it's ready, fire, aim, fire. I can hit a lot of targets because I shot a lot. And that gets results. And results matter. This translates to me, or to you, negotiating with sellers that respond, that need our help, that are open to a discount, that are motivated, and are open to a quick sale in exchange for a lower price. And when they do that, and only when they do that, that's when I know I can do my research because we're closer to a deal. I don't need to waste my time. So once we get to that point, then we can easily find local values with the help of locals that know the area much better than we do and figure out what the cash flow is for that area in minutes and what it's worth. Nice and easy, Japanesey. Then we get 70% of the value to buy the asset, not the purchase price as discussed in other episodes from asset-based lenders, and boom, the seller gets what they need, we serve them, they're happy. The lenders get to use their cash at a decent rate of return with a 30% equity spread, which is safe for them, and they're happy. And we purchased an asset at a great discount, creating instant equity and make a monthly profit without a nickel out of our pocket. And you bet your sweet dippy, we're happy too. How much money did we make? Making everyone around us happy? 
Well, tune in on the next episode and I'll show you exactly how much money you make in this whole process and how much this process makes you. It's very exciting. But only listen to the next episode if you like making mountains of money without using any of your own. Hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you soon. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.